You're listening to Surrounded by History, a podcast of the Blue Earth County Historical Society. Produced by Radio Mankato with your host, Historical Society Executive Director Jessica Potter. And now, Surrounded by History. Hello and welcome to Surrounded by History. I'm your host, Jessica Potter, with the Blue Earth County Historical Society. Joining me today is Radio Mankato's Jeff Lang. Every week, this program explores the history all around us, the history in plain sight. All right, Jeff, before we get started today, I have a question for you. What do these companies have in common? Glasgow Smith Klein, which are pharmaceutical company, Ardent Mills, which makes flour, Archer Daniels Midland, also known as ADM, Piper Jaffrey, and McGill Warner Publishing. I am so excited to be able to share that I know who has something for all of these. And that is it has a Minnesota tie right here in the Blue Earth County area because I am a nerd and I love hearing about this stuff. I've read about this stuff a while ago already. I love it. I love that you um, self-proclaimed history nerd because that (laughs) makes my heart happy. Um, You are correct. The answer is Garden City right here in Blue Earth County, the small little village um, right in the center of Blue Earth County. And I have a really fun, great story to share with you today. So we hope that you all sit back and be surrounded by the history of the remarkable men of Garden City. Yay! All right, so I'm going to set the scene for you. we gotta, we got to talk a little bit about Garden City for those that are not familiar with it. Garden City is situated in the center of our county with the Watton River flowing through it. In the spring of 1868, the village of Garden City contained three grist mills, four general stores, two drug and grocery stores, one hardware store, a hotel, a wagon shop, a harness shop, a shoe shop, a tailor shop, a blacksmith shop, a cabinet shop, one newspaper, two public halls, and a two-story schoolhouse, along with three churches. Wow. So the population, 1868, is about 400 people. There's a lot going on for just 400 people there, too. Right, right. Center of the, of the county, Population of 400. So we've talked about Garden City before and their aspirations to be the county seat, being in the center of the mm-hmm, county. Mm-hmm. So just a little refresher for those that don't didn't catch our podcast about the history of the courthouse. Um, in 1861, there was a bill that was introduced to the state legislature to relocate the county seat from Mankato to Garden City. The reason was because Garden City is centrally located and um, Mankato, because of their proximity on the Minnesota and Blue Earth Rivers, had already naturally become county seat. But Garden City um, and all of the farm communities wanted the center of mm-hmm. the, the county to be the county seat. Um, so the bill was introduced, but but unfortunately, it did not pass. Um, and then in 18, 1885, there was a vote they, the, from Garden City. They wanted to have the courthouse located in um, Garden City, which was a little odd because they couldn't get the county seat. So they're thinking if the courthouse got built, somehow it would all... They would still do it. It'd still work out somehow. So... There was a general election, and at first, Mankato lost to Garden City by just a few votes. 
And uh, needless to say, a second election was t- took place <laughs> and uh, they passed. Um, so Mankato won the second election by 53 votes. We'll just keep doing elections until we get what we want. Pretty much is what was <laughs> happening in the 1880s. Um, so the new courthouse was built in Mankato as we all see it today in its grand location. And it quietly opened almost $50,000 over budget. There was lawsuits up the Wazuzi, including one from Garden City saying that wasn't fair. Um, and there you go. There's a little thing about <laughs> Garden City. Okay. So back to Garden City and not the controversy. So in this time, in the 1860s and 1870s, there were 10 young men. There was obviously 400 uh, residents, mm-hmm. but there were 10 young men in particular that began to climb to success and accomplishment while attending that little log schoolhouse in Garden City. These 10 boys rose from very humble beginnings and to lives of fame and fortune and high places in the world's esteem. All 10 could look back on lives of success in positive terms, some in vast holdings, some in world fame, and all in material and personal rewards. 10 little men from Garden City were featured in a 1922 Minneapolis Sunday Journal article and were from that point forward referred to as the remarkable men of Garden City. So, as you can imagine, those companies that I mentioned before, Glasgow Smith Klein, Ardent Mills, ADM, Piper Jaffrey, McGill Warner Publishing, they all have something to do with these 10 men. So, I want to tell you the story of the remarkable men of Garden City. So one of these Garden City men should sound very familiar if you um, heard our podcast about the historic R.D. Hubbard House and Hubbard Milling Company. Um, We talked a lot about this particular Garden City alum, and it was George Palmer. So George Palmer, um, there's a great story about him that says that he walked to Mankato on a muddy spring day to interview, interview for a job at the new Mankato Linseed Oil Company. Um, He did get the job as the bookkeeper working alongside R.D. Hubbard, one of the partners in the company. Um, The two would go on to develop and operate the Hubbard Milling Company, which transitioned from linseed oil to uh, wheat and flour. And in fact, the Hubbard Milling Company, the flour division of the company, stayed in the Palmer family until 1984 when it was sold to Cargill. For, so for over 100 years, wow. um, Palmer had, or his descendants, had a connection to Hubbard Milling Company. Um, the mill today is known as Ardent Mills, and they still manufacture flour. Um, George was also very influential in the baking, banking industry in Mankato. He served as the president of one of the banks for a very long period of time. And he was also the first remarkable 10 to get a job in Mankato and the only one to live out his life and career in Mankato. So the other nine go off and uh, find their fortunes in other places. But George is the one who stuck around home and made his life and career right here in Mankato. So our second um, remarkable 10 is another George. Um, His name is George Frank Piper, and he went by Frank. So I'll refer to him just as Frank. Um, He interestingly followed in George Palmer's footsteps in that he became the bookkeeper of the Mankato Linseed Oil Company 
after Palmer left. So once George Palmer goes and starts working at the Hubbard Milling Company with R.D. Hubbard, then he leaves his post with the Linseed Oil Company and Frank Piper takes his spot. Again, boys that grew up together, so they're just kind of, um, you know, what do they say, the Good Bull Boys Club here? Yeah, kind of, yep. Uh, yep. Okay, so the other connection they have is that Frank lived at a house on South Broad Street. When he left Mankato, he sold that particular house to George Palmer. George Palmer lived in that house until he passed away in 1939. So another connection that those two those two Georges had. Um, Frank Piper, back to him, he worked primarily in linseed oil um, with grain elevators and grain brokerage companies. Uh, eventually, the combination of those three aspects of business led to the founding of Piper Jaffray Financial Services Company. So have you ever heard of Piper Jaffray? Yeah. Okay, well, he's the piper. Okay, <laughs> just put that in perspective. All right. So there are three of our Remarkable Ten that are the Warner Brothers. They, not uh, not the cartoons or anything. <laughs> um, I realized that as I just said it out loud. No, they were brothers. Their last names are Warner. Um, and the Eli was the oldest, and he was involved in the printing industry. He was the second half or the other half of the company McGill and Warner Printing Company. Um, for me as a history geek, I totally geeked out on this because if you ever come across an old road map of Minnesota, if you flip it over, you will see McGill and Warner Printing Company on the back of those maps. Maps and atlases, um, they were a very uh, prominent printing company throughout the United States. In particular, if you flip over an old road map, you will for sure see their um, name on the back. Um, so Eli was also involved in politics. He served in the Minnesota legislature. Actually, I think there were five of the Remarkable Ten that were have some involvement with politics. Hmm. So that is something else kind of going for them. The second Warner brother is Amos, and he really based his fortune out of Duluth. So he also served in the Minnesota legislature, and he was involved in Duluth heavily in real estate, timber, and oil. Um, so he made his fortunes up in the Duluth area. And actually, Frank Piper went up to Duluth to work alongside Amos War Warner. And there was a financial um, crisis in the 1880s, 1890s that really kind of wiped George um, or Frank Piper out. And so he ended up leaving Duluth, but Amos Warner stayed. And another little connection is Frank Piper's sister Harriet married Amos. Of course. Of course. They I are... love these intertwined stories, though. Oh, my gosh. They're so intertwined. So the next, the third Warner brother is Ellsworth. Ellsworth followed, again, here's another little twisted path. He followed Palmer and Piper as the bookkeeper of the Mankato Linseed Oil Company. I must tell you, in a little side note, the Mankato Linseed Oil Company did not last very long. However, these three men in a row served as the bookkeeper. <laughs> um, he really stuck with linseed oil as his career path, and eventually um, it led him to serving as the president of the Midland Linseed Products Company. Company, which merged with another linseed oil company called Archer and Daniels, and that became the Archer Daniels Midland, which is what we know today as ADM. Crazy. So he's the M in yeah, ADM. It. Okay. All right. We have another set of brothers. This one is the Rockwoods. 
So the Rockwoods, we have Chelsea. Um, he was a lawyer. So he practiced law. He was also um, became the Hennepin County District Court judge and was a regent for the University of Minnesota. So he's falling into the law line. Um, again, we got that connection with law mm-hmm. and politics. And then his brother, A.J., um, is one of the few that actually left the state of Minnesota, and he moved to Idaho. Um, and he was very engaged in agriculture as a grain farmer and a cattle rancher. He also, again, in politics, served in the Idaho legislature. So um, we have a lot of law and politics going on with these guys as well. Um, okay, are you keeping track here? We're up to number seven. Okay, <laughs> Right, you're keeping track. All right, so Carlos Boynton is number seven. He is the only Remarkable Ten who actually started off with money, as his father owned one of the stores in Garden City. So everyone else really was at the... Um, made their own way. Mm-hmm. Carlos had a way already paved for him. Um, but he obviously grew his path. He became heavily involved in rail, in the railroad and land deals in and around St. Paul. So if you can imagine, when we're talking about the 1870s, 80s, 90s, um, this is a prime time for railroad and especially for development in St. Paul. Um, So he had a Summit Avenue mansion, kind of gives you an idea of his social class. Mm -hmm. Those houses are huge. They're huge, and they were the well-to-do, and so he definitely showed off his wealth. But he had a stable that was designed specifically for his prize racehorses. Hmm. And he is also said to have um, down in, I think, in Watanwan County, was another kind of home place for him. He said he uh, was said to have created a um, racehorse track for them to practice on. Okay. So he was very um, a very affluent man. Okay, so we have we've talked about a couple of sets of brothers, and our last two remarkable men um, are cousins. Okay, so we talked about lots of combinations of these guys, but here are two cousins. Dr. Floridol, Floridol, um, he's got an interesting name, Welcome. Um, he was a doctor. He practiced medicine in Sleepy Eye and Granite Falls, and then he eventually moved into banking and real estate. And he became the head of a large chain of banks and president of the Union Investment Company. Again, at this point in time, land deals, banking, real estate, this is a, this is a big time, big boom for all of these things. So number 10 is Henry Welcome. Uh, He's also known as Sir Henry Welcome. So that should give you a little idea where he ends up. Um, (laughs) Henry worked in in the drugstore in Garden City. He learned how to be a pharmacist. He learned how to be a chemist and how to compound medicines. He helped his uncle as a surgeon's assistant at a very young age. He helped with emergency surgeries during the U.S. Dakota War. Um, and a, an opportune meeting with Dr. W.W. Mayo through his uncle led Henry to study in Rochester after he completed high school in Garden City. Um, Dr. Mayo encouraged Henry to continue his education, which he did at the Philadelphia College of Pharmacy. He then worked for McKesson and Robbins, which was the biggest pharmaceutical firm in the United States. In 1880, Henry and a pharmacy classmate, Cyrus Burroughs, 
formed the Burroughs Welcome Pharmaceutical Company and moved to England to introduce the latest American breakthroughs, particularly in industrial research. The company was the developer of pharmaceutical formulas that contributed to the successful treatment of many diseases, including diphtheria, which was a devastating disease at this time. Was that the disease that's known on the Oregon Trail? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, through his relationship with Sir Henry Stanley, um, who was uh, an explorer, Welcome also led research on tropical medicines. Um, encouraging education and research, Welcome developed a trust for medical research, which continues to this day. So he... Um, just a remarkable man in his own right, along with the other the other nine. By 1915, um, Henry Welcome was so successful in England and the work that he had been doing. He had already started planning a gift for his boyhood home of Garden City. In 1922, Henry gave George Palmer, his good friend from Garden City, the one who stayed here mm -hmm. in Mankato, $10,000 to purchase land in Garden City for the site of a future library and auditorium with assembly rooms plus a parks and sports fields. Um, in 1936, the Henry Welcome Memorial Trust, by this point he had, I want to just kind of double check my notes, so he passed away in 1936. So this is right at the point that he passed away. His trust provided $400,000. Wow. Um, with 250000 allotted for the construction of, the, of a suitable building in Garden City for a school and $150,000 for an endowment fund to cover the maintenance and upkeep. The first trustees, da-da-da, George Palmer and <laughs> Chelsea Rockwood. Um, two of his class, class buddies, along with Mankato Judge Lauren Craig. So the three of them were the first trustees of the Henry Welcome Memorial Trust that was set up in 1936 to benefit Garden City. So I did not do the inflation calculator here, but $400,000 in 1936. It's a lot of money. Um, it wasn't until 1959 um, that the auditorium, library, and meeting rooms were finally built and dedicated as part of Welcome Memorial Middle School, which today we know as Lake Crystal Welcome Memorial School District. <laughs> That's where the welcome comes from. All right. Okay. So in 1922, when Henry Welcome made that, that first initial gift and, and started to um, make note of, of his plans to give back to Garden City, the Minneapolis Journal wrote this, night, this article in 1922 about the gift, but then it also spun out to realize who these 10 men were and, and their connections and what they were, were doing in Minnesota and the United States at this point in time. Henry Welcome is quoted in that article saying, In all the years, I have never forgotten the home of my boyhood, the scene of happy days. The big cities are not the best. I live in the largest city in the world and I am not any happier than my chums who have stayed here. I want to leave here a little remembrance of those days, and it is to education more than all else that I would like to give my remembrance. Mm. So that is, I think that sums up Henry Welcome in so many words, but it goes on even today. So Henry Welcome's pharmaceutical company today is known as Glasgow Smith Klein. 
used to be Glasgow Welcome Smith, I think, or Glasgow Smith Welcome. Um, the Welcome has come out of it, and now there's the the three piece. So they are a major. It's a big um, name. International pharmaceutical company. And the Wellcome Trust um, still continues. So we have the Wellcome Trust that's that's set up right here to be part of Garden City, but there's a Wellcome Trust, a big picture Wellcome Trust in England that continues to support research, medical and pharmaceutical research. On their website it states we take a big we take on big health challenges, we campaign for better science, and we help everyone get involved with science and health research. That trust has a thirty billion dollar portfolio and is working to outsmart epidemics. They are actively working on COVID nineteen research right now. Wow. So Henry's legacy continues, as do many of these men's contributions with the companies that they help to uh, create and to found. And it all ties back to this little hamlet of Garden City in Blue Earth County. They may have lost the fight to be the county seat, <laughs> um, but they continue to make headlines for the remarkable men that went on to be involved in some of the world's largest companies and industries. Um, In fact, we think this is such a great story that there is a book that was published by the Blue Earth County Historical Society titled The Remarkable Men of Garden City. It was written by E. Winston Grundmeyer a few years ago. Um, And so it goes into a lot more detail about the connections of these men and more on their biographical stories. Um, And if you're interested to learn more about The Remarkable Men, you can pick up a copy of that book. You can order it online through our gift shop which is at blueearthcountyhistory.com and just click on the store button and we can ship it right out to you it's a great story about 10 incredibly remarkable men we hope you enjoyed today's program as we explored the remarkable men of garden city all of the information we shared today comes from the archives of the blue earth county historical society Until next time, we hope you see the history that surrounds you. You've been listening to Surrounded by History, a podcast from the Blue Earth County Historical Society, produced by Radio Mankato. For more information on this and other topics, visit BlueEarthCountyHistory.com or stop by the Blue Earth County History Center at 424 Warren Street in Mankato. Thanks for listening to Surrounded by History. History.